And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Welcome back to the show, everybody. The uh, Gang of Five is here. It's finally, finally opening week. But I think we got to get to the, uh, the, the issue of the day. John, what's going on with you and Mego? There seems to be some tumult in that relationship. There was blocking. There was vouching. It had it all. She's, uh, Mikey, you know, we've been together a long time. And you know I like him a little crazy. And if she's, if she's going to block me and then, you know, 30 minutes later unblock me, I got I to gotta hat tip out to our guy C. Paul uh, on, on Twitter with his uh, – his is you know, I am the captain now, uh, <laughs> image, which I think, you know, got everything going back in the right direction. Thankfully, uh, I can now see her tweets again. Um, you know, I, I cannot vouch. I cannot vouch. And I will not vouch for that awful horror story uh, article that she posted that, that oh, kicked God, all this off. Awful. But again, you know, my theory on that is she was directed to do that by the programming director. You know, <laughs> sure. that is not. That is not she in her in her heart. She didn't want to do that. She clearly mailed it in. Uh, that was uh, that kind of malicious obedience in posting that piece. Very unlike I, Chris I, Curtis to harass a female, yeah, right? At work. Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to stick with my my soft vouch. It hurt a little bit, uh, but yeah, we're working through it. Scarcy, she was batting her eyes at you too. It sounds like she won you over. Well, she did the exact right thing. She, you know, we are you know poking fun at her. And she, you know, she laughed along with us, which was the exact, uh, exact correct thing to do when you there, you uh, had a picture of her as uh, Carrie soaked in blood, <laughs> Carrie. And I, I type in there, you know, everyone's going to laugh at you finally. And, you know, she was there, you know, she's just, she just replied, the, you know, positively to that and that, that, that goes a long way. Look, look, it's a low bar, but she is the smartest person in that station, I'm convinced, right? She yeah, is low the bar. smartest person. It's, it's a low bar, but she is she is the only one at that John, station. John, please. Uh, John, I'm, I'm going to have to mute you if you just help, help, help you for <laughs> when, yourself. When Audacity spinning country, she will be spinning the Shania Twain. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Scartelli, a point of order, since she sits next to uh, Lou Merloni, she won't be covered in blood like Carrie. It'll be a uh, Kiwi shoe polish hair dye. Correct. Uh, all right, week one is almost here. It's been a damn the preseason with this off the coordinator nonsense. Uh, you and I were talking about, and I made the points that you know they have guys, but in Judge and Patricia who have backgrounds on defense, you know, working with Mac Jones. Couldn't it be a good thing to have somebody who's game planned against a quarterback like Mac Jones to have that knowledge from the other side bequeathed onto him? So this is a uh, Dan sent this to me. This is from the Make Defense Great Again podcast, and it's one of Mike on Route One's favorite people, Dean Pease, talking about Bill Belichick uh, and his time with the Patriots working with Tom Brady. But you'd really probably kind of be surprised how involved some of those coaches are. There, it may be less than what you think. Interesting. Uh, like it's like Coach Belichick. I mean, as a he was a defensive really great defensive coordinator, but he spent maybe 45 minutes a week with us on defense. Wow. What would he do the rest of the time? I mean, what, what is he with the offense or? 
No, we spent it with Tom Brady telling Tom Brady, here's what those defenses are doing against you, which was perfect. He said in the he sat in the meeting room with Tom every day in individual meetings and unit meetings and well you know you and me he'd have team meeting but I'd have a defensive unit meeting he was never in there we'd meet as a defensive staff and then he'd walk in on Wednesday night and maybe about nine thirty ten o'clock at night and I'd tell him here's what we talked to thinking about is there anything else you got and he might have something he might not. Or he might throw something out, and we'd say, well, we talked about that, but here's why we didn't like it. And he might say, yeah, okay, I agree. Or he might say, no, I really want you to run, try this or run this. But he, no, he did not sit in there with us. Everybody, I know everybody probably thinks he did. He didn't. He he, he, he did he did an incredible job of sitting with Tom, and we, like we're playing the Jets or something. He's telling Tom, here's what to look for. Here's what that safety's showing you. Here's what the linebacker's showing you. I mean, what a great tool to have a guy like that with that experience sitting with your quarterback, teaching him how to read defenses. Dan, why haven't we heard that point of view from anywhere else? I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty fairly obvious one to me. Instead, there's all sorts of hand-wringing over uh, Judge and Patricia because the medias don't, mediates don't like them. Isn't that a great clip? I mean, sometimes the most... Sometimes the greatest gifts can come from the most unlikely sources. Uh, back during d- during Spygate, you remember when Matt Walsh, that ex-videographer with the, the axe to grind, um, he kept hinting that he had something more nefarious. And then when he finally revealed, all, all they revealed was that it was nothing. But amongst the stuff that he revealed were eight tapes that proved that the Patriots were telling the truth right. when they said, we weren't using these during the same games. They were full game tapes, but the guy was cast. But anyway, this Dean Pease clip is exactly the same. Um, he's here's a guy. By the way, he's he's, the, he's not a Belichick advocate by any any means. Uh, Mike could back us up on that. He was something. What he was part of the, uh, one of the uh, sources for Ted Wells. Is that correct? And we believe yeah, he was, he was, he was one, of the, one of the great mysteries. Right. One of the great mysteries is <clears throat> we know we know that the whole. Uh, Deflategate originated with the Ravens, mm-hmm. and there was no reference to what information. And Dean Pease was, was on the the list of people they interviewed. I've always had the theory that he was essentially Deflategate patient zero, uh, because where else is that coming? Why would they talk to him? Maybe you would say, okay, well he was there, so let's just let's just talk to him, but. That something something really smelled there, and I thought I always I always like peas for that guy. And no fan, no friend of Bill, old friend. I uh, hope I'm not telling tales out of school here. Old friend, Mrs. O'Leary's Spygate cow, one of the great Twitter names. <laughs> um, I believe I believe had also had some inside information. You know, take this for what it will. I I don't know the man to to make things up. <laughs> Certainly we're not not with that moniker. Um, but he uh, he. Spoke with Mrs. Pease, I want to say, on a some kind of transaction, um, some kind of a business transaction, and, and he, Dean did not like did not like Bill, which I think has been clear in the just kind of the ways that they were. He spoke about Bill over the years, so not no friend of Bill for sure. Eric so, Mangini died for uh, Dean Pease's sins, right? So listen to what he said in there. He said he said he was with Brady that whole time, telling Brady this is what the defense is doing against you. And he's telling Tom, the safety is showing you this, and here's what the linebacker is showing you. Uh, what a great tool to have a guy like that with that experience sitting with your quarterback and teaching him how to read defenses. And finally, he said, that's why we were so doggone good. 
for two years, the running narrative has been that Tom Brady alone was the reason for the Patriots' success. Once he won a Super Bowl in Tampa, coupled with the Patriots' struggles with Newton, uh, that that talking point got cemented as gospel. And of course, that's in conflict with all the previous narratives about Brady, that he was a system quarterback, a dink and ducker, the, the cheater, et cetera. But when Bill and Tom split, they the media had to take make a choice and they chose, let's go with anti, anti-Bill. Were I to apply the same standard to this clip that the media chose then, I could say that Pease was saying unequivocally that Brady was the guy that made, I'm sorry, Belichick was the guy that made Brady. Uh, but I won't say that. He recognized in Brady an intelligent young player who could view the game the same way he did and was willing to soak up every bit of insight Belichick could impart. And I think that bodes well for what's happening now with Mac Jones. Agree 100%. Scartelli, we saw it in the uh, uh, one of the, docu- the documentary for the 09 season when Belichick and Brady are in Belichick's office and they're talking about Ed Reed and how to game plan for the Ravens. Why isn't this... Well, I guess I, I'm answering my own question, but this is, of course, Belichick's working with the quarterback, right? I mean, it's he's the best to ever do it, and the the lack of honest reporting on this is is well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. No, no, he's probably just spending all the time with the uh, special teamers that he overvalues. Why would he possibly want to, you know, assist uh, the most important player on the field, most important offensive player on the field? Why would he want to do that? Again, the people don't, the people do not, uh, they don't hear what they want to hear. It's like, uh, it's like our folks on the, uh, weekend podcast we're talking about. I had with no, that, with that, with that bit from the, uh, what the Phil Perry podcast, was that it talking about how they've, the Patriots during the preseason will not allow the quarterback to, uh, the audible out of certain plays and people don't. If you don't know that, you're going to wonder why, you know, a play developed poorly, but that, uh, but letting that, uh, but letting that information get out, isn't part of the, uh, narratives with a Z at the end. Right. Right. Uh, it, I, that was it, the first time I heard about it is on the, uh, is on the weekend, uh, in the entitled weekend podcast. That's a good point. It's, uh, uh, John, go ahead. It just, I, this topic has been beat to death and I guess we're guilty of it as well, but uh, Bill Belichick's working with Mac Jones. There's going to be one voice in this area. It's not as Bill Simmons said, an offensive coordinator by committee for Christ's sake. It's there's going to be one voice in his ear and Belichick's coaching him up as well. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to what Mac's saying, it sounds like he's saying the exact sort of things that Brady would have been saying in the, in the pre Dean Pease era and in the Dean Pease era, right? It's, you know, Belichick is clearly working with Mac because Mac's saying this. You know, there was a there was a pod a Mac interview that talked about you know Mac Mac views himself as a smart guy. Mac's very confident in his ability to read defenses, understand the playbook, understand what the defense is trying to do, and he has a tremendous amount of respect. It's coming out in the conversations he's he's having with the 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 media. Tremendous amount of respect for Belichick and what Belichick is providing for him. So you know, it's. We know that these are fake, phony narratives designed to get people angry and stir people up. And that's all it is. If you're willing, like, you know, the, the clip you just shared, if you're willing to go deeper outside of the Boston media, you know, you can find these gems of insight. Um, and frankly, I think it's great that we're sharing those because otherwise I think a lot of folks would never have heard that Dean Pease, you know, that Dean Pease clip. Thank you, Dan, for digging that up. 
it's it's a great clip. It's you know, like I said, or like we discussed previously, it's uh, Dean P's no friend to Bill, but he's he's giving the straight dope there. Mike, what's your expectations with Mac this year? I mean, everybody's the the media's really slamming the narrative that uh, he's going to regress. How often does that happen with a rookie quarterback in his second year? I mean, uh, I think that's something I probably. That's something I probably should should have looked into, um, but <laughs> but in my own uh, in my own self interest here, I, I I haven't looked at, at second year regression from really good, um, it, which is what he was as, as a rookie. Um, I mean, I, I you know it's all it's all there's there's so many different variables. I mean, maybe he could be worse this year. I I, I don't see it. You know, I think who was it? Tannenbaum. Tanny does it again. Said uh, he's a dark horse MVP. Um, I don't know if they'll throw the ball enough for that to be the case, but I think he's. I just think he's going to be really good, and it, it all goes back to, you know, similar things to Brady, which are an aptitude, a desire to learn, a commitment, um, the mindset. Um, the approach and the guy in his ear and that guy in his ear is bill. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to win six Super Bowls. If he wins one, I'll be ecstatic. Um, right. But I think uh, my expectations are, are high, but I also think, you know, if you want to have a hot take that I, I kind of agree with, it's that he's got, there's a lot riding on him and there's a lot of my uh, emotional, uh, <laughs> yes, my, my ability to, to cope from, uh, from Sunday night to, to, to Wednesday, when we, we flip the page to, to the next week is, is on him. But um, I, I just, I'd be, I'd be shocked if he sucks. I would be shocked if he's not great. So you we'll made see. the point, you made the point last week and it, it got me thinking is like the self scouting thing, right? Are we the baddies? Are we being willfully ignorant? Despite what what's being reported, are we digging in our heels too much the other way? There might be some gray area there. I've, I've gone this week, I, I've gone from, you know, still thinking, preparing myself mentally for the idea that, you know, the line comes out in a, on the road week one, we get three false starts in the first half, something like that. But I've also talked myself into the idea that I, I think there's, there's a possibility. I think it's more likely, and I'll, I might regret this, I think it's more likely the Patriots blow them out than they get blown out. And, the, and, and I, I, again, I don't like the bells belly check. You know, it's your, it's, it's a very uncle kind of thing. Belly check is playing possum for the playoffs and stuff like that. And he doesn't want to show anything, you know? So, but I, I do, I do think there is something there as it pertains to them, not kind of tipping their hand. And I know there's been some talk about that this week and, you know, we, we had it first, I think for sure. But um, yeah, I, I do think that's where I'm, I'm hoping and it might be my own. Um, wish casting, but we'll see. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm, I'm headed. I've been trending that way. John, you're the team mom. Uh, you're going to stay positive every day. Rick Pitino's mantra is definitely something right. that you're living. Um, you know, we're West coasters. We're removed from it a little bit more than the, the guys with the boots on the ground are. Uh, what's your feelings? What's your expectations for Sunday, uh, the season? And are we the baddies? We're not the baddies. Uh, we're the goodies. And I'm expecting 2-0 start. Um, I, I see people picking the Steelers ahead of the Patriots, and I think that's absolute lunacy. I, I see people saying that the, the Dolphins are clearly more talented, and I'm, I just don't see this. You know, and I think it's – I chalk all that up to 
they're clearly more talented based on my fantasy draft list, yeah. right? It, it's it's just that simple, right? Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle right. went ahead of Kendrick that, that, Bourne that and Devontae Parker. That is exactly right. I think the I looked this up. The average, like the highest draft drafted player in the in the average draft position of any Patriot, I believe. Last I looked was Damian Harris, and I believe in a twelve team league he was going at the top of the seventh round. Okay, so. So that, that tells you not a single Patriots receiver is going earlier than the seventh round. And you know Tyreek Hill's going earlier than that. You know Jalen Waddle's probably going somewhere in that space, right? And you know is probably going ahead of Mac. So it's like the, the Dolphins are clearly more talented because I'm drafting Dolphins for my fantasy team. And, and you know, we all know that it's complimentary football that wins in the NFL. It is roster depth that prevails over time. And I, I like the talent on this team. I, don't, I like their depth at wide receiver. I like their depth uh, on defense. I like what they've done at linebacker. I think they have a deep enough secondary to be, to be very effective back there. I love their running back room. Sorry, can't, can't resist. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm all in on Mac Jones. So, like, what's, what's – the Dolphins are more talented. I mean, the Dolphins' offensive line is, is you know, is going to protect Tua. You know, the Patriots aren't going to be able to get pressure on Tua. Of course they will. You know, I just, I, I don't know the, the Miami humidity playing on the road in that house of horrors. We've seen it so many times in our lives. That's the one wild card, but on a neutral field, I think the Patriots are absolutely better than Miami and they're certainly better than Pittsburgh. Uh, agreed. Scartelli, it comes down to me for one thing on Sunday when Bill Belichick looks across the field and he sees Elaine's biracial boyfriend from Seinfeld on the other sidelines. I mean, that's, that's, that has me feeling good about Sunday's game. So, uh, Coach Rachel Dolezal doesn't frighten you? <laughs> uh, let's say not even a little bit. Oh, I just got to, you know, circle back to fantasy football. Uh, that's If that's probably one of the worst things that's ever happened with regard to, you know, making people root for players and not teams like, you know, adults do. But had my one of three fantasy drafts, <laughs> I, I know, just, you know, kill myself kind of thing. And, you know, a college buddy that I've known for 30 years is saying that he thinks that uh, Trey Lance is going to be better than Mac because of the fact that uh, he's got a real offensive coordinator and not a loser like Patricia. And it was like finding out that he was a 9-11 truther. You know, you know, Scarcy, what we used to say back in the day in the Brookfield Fantasy Football League days, make sure that guy's paid. Yeah, is he paid? <laughs> make sure that guy's paid up. You know what, whose name hasn't been mentioned much of it all outside of a contract restructure, Dan? And I think he could uh, be a bigger factor this year with the changes they've made on offense is John U. Smith. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, from what we've heard, it sounds like they've, they're putting him in. Well, they moved out the fullback completely. That, that's what makes me really wonder what's going to happen there. Is, is John U. Smith going to be in the backfield? Is he going to be more involved in, in the places that Jakob Johnson uh, was doing last year and, and what could be the uh, effects of that? Uh, does that free him up? Does that uh, open some more things for John? I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Amen. Henry had a really nice year last year. That's been undersold a little bit, especially on the execrable Brian Barrett off the pike podcast. I'm not going to get off track here. I'm not going to get off track here. I'm not going to get off track here. All right, NBCS Boston, the, the morphing into 98.5 uh, 
on the television screen is nearly complete. Uh, previously mentioned Phil Perry will now be referred evermore as a blow dried sack of shit. Mike, is that, was that the term? Close enough. Yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. All we, right. we, well, can, this, we can, yeah, well, that that's perfect. I think. This is the blow dried sack of shit's partner, Tom Curran uh, on Wednesday asking a question of Mac Jones and it's not even framed a little bit in a negative light. Uh, Josh McDean is one of the best offensive coordinators of the last 25 years and he's gone and there hasn't been real concrete replacement and he had an offense that won six Super Bowls that you guys are pivoting a bit from. Is it hard to maintain or how hard has it been to maintain the optimism you've shown when there's so much uncertainty? Um, I think there's the uncertainty just has to clear itself up. I think that's just the mentality and I think it's all about getting in the right spot and having confidence in one another and uh, we've done that and uh, sometimes it's doesn't it's not going to be a perfect clean picture right off the bat when something's new a little bit but I feel like we've made really good strides um, in practice in the games even when you really watch the tape to see how close we are and um, we're just excited to get out there and, and put it on tape and see what we can do and adjust and just play for one another that's all it comes down to the X's and O's are the X's and O's but if we play for uh, for one another then good things can happen optimism are you fucking kidding me the optimism Mike I mean, Mac Jones is far too nice and, and too young and inexperienced to tell him to go to go shove that shit up his ass. That's awful. Curran uh, um, is is really a. Um, I don't know what happened to him. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I guess it's just the desire to have um, to have an extension uh, put up put on the house there, but. Um, you know, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it goes back to the, the Tom senior thing, the sources. I just, I don't, I just, I, I, I just think he's, he's had enough of bill, bill, bill shutting him out now. And, and that's it. So um, I don't know. I, it's, I, I would say I'm disappointed, but I don't have any, you know, I don't have any for affinity for him anymore. So it's not even, it's not even um, uh, really a consideration. He's just, He's lost it. And, you know, maybe it's all the sun. It's why he wears the crocodile Dundee hat now. But um, he's 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 gone. He, he They're all gone. Yeah, that's that's really disgusting. The NBC sports boss and stuff. John, uh, you, you're the one who sent me that audio. You, you caught, titled it, quote unquote, disgusting. Yeah, I, I, I did find it to be disgusting. And, it, you know, he tees up this ridiculous straw man, as they tend to do. You know, hard to maintain optimism when there's so, too much, so much uncertainty. I mean, these are professional athletes, right? Like these are not, these are not, you know, your college age daughters. Like these are serious <laughs> professional athletes, right? And it's like the, the, the idea that they haven't overcome adversity way more significant than a couple exhibition games and, and working in some new plays on offense. I mean, give me a break, you know, in this, I'm going to, I'm going to swing it back to my girl here from the, from the beginning of the, of the show. You know, the reason I'm, I'm pro Migo, right. Is because she's harmless. Curran is the insidious one, right? Migo is, is harmless. Curran still has respect, right? I can even hear it in Mike on Route One's voice when he talks about Curran being gone, right? Curran still has that, you know, here's the problem. This is my theory with Curran. Curran is of the age where nobody gives a shit about his institutional knowledge, right? Because he brings a lot of institutional knowledge to the job, but nobody cares anymore, Tom, right? You know, you're, you're competing in a world of hot takes and you're deciding instead of playing it straight and being a serious reporter and like 
educating your readers or educating your viewers with your wealth of knowledge, you're going to say stupid shit. Like it's hard to maintain optimism when there's so much uncertainty to Mac Jones. I mean, he is gone. He has cast his lot with the, with the worst in the industry and all that institutional knowledge that clearly nobody's paying for, you know, I guess he's, he's decided to be Felger Jr., which, you know, I'm sure at some point in his life, he never thought he would do that, but there he is. Scotty, do you think there's an expiration date on that kind of beat job following the team? 20, he's been 25 plus years covering the Patriots, uh, two decades plus with Belichick. The bitterness, Bill's dislike of him is certainly coloring everything that's coming out of the NBCS Boston filter. I give that question that he asked uh, seven Portuguese men of war out of 10 <laughs> on the Ron Borges scale. <laughs> so it, it's, it's unfortunate. I, want to i liked tom i want to continue liking tom but if he's going to continue down that this path it's it's untenable for for any sort of uh any sort of arrangement to continue with regard to my liking him like that it's it's juvenile it's puerile it's something else that ends in aisle no doubt and uh it's 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 just it's just unfortunate to watch. Well, Never yeah, go. Jump, f- go ahead, John. I was just jump right in because Mike on Route One made the point. Bill's shutting him out, and I think that's exactly it, right? I think Bill is done with him. Tom is done with Bill, and and it came up this week when Tom had another litany of stupid questions comparing Vince Wilfork to Christian Barmore, and asked, you know, what do they have in common? And Belichick, <laughs> you know, you just the disdain in Belichick's voice. He's like, they both play defensive tackle. And Tom's there with his Titleist bucket hat, you know, looking like he, you know, he booked, he booked a course down in Miami. He's like, what the fuck? I got to go an hour north for this shit. You know, I mean, that's, that's the, the vibe he's given off. Right. So it's like, he doesn't want to be there. Tom doesn't want to be there. I don't know why they're sending him there. You know, it's, it's nobody's winning. No Patriots fan is winning with that coverage. Never go full Bedard at all. Uh, LeBron Ray. Will Sherman, maybe JJ Taylor, like that's it. That's it. You know why? Because the roster stinks. It's not any good. They're <laughs> they have no good young players coming into the pipeline. Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, not good young players coming in the pipeline. The the slanted coverage, Dan, it sucks. It's universal soup to nuts in print, on the air, on the radio, on the ringer. The coverage, with the exception of Mike Reese and maybe Jim McBride, absolutely stinks. The fact that we don't talk about Jim McBride is is a good thing. I think that he's you know not uh, not you know flinging hot takes left and right. It's like uh, it's like you know referees. If you don't talk about them, they're doing a good job. And he works next to Ben Volan. So thoughts and prayers out to him. Go, Go ahead, Dan. I think it was impressive that Mac didn't take the bait, that he didn't, didn't accept the premise of the question uh, and just went and answered it, you know, as, as uh, honestly as he could and, and just avoiding the whole uh, just stupidity of, of, the, of the question. I mean, they've been, they've been working hard. Everybody's sore. Nobody's thinking about past Patriots. They're thinking about the current ones. They're, but what, what their season is now, they're not going to think about the success in the past. So who, who cares about that shit that he brought up? And, and he just avoided, avoided the question, sidestepped it nicely. All right. This is, this is a clip that I've, it's a, it's a five second clip. Uh, this is Kyle Draper 
on NBC Takes Boston. Is that the non-union Asherod Blakely? <laughs> yeah, that, the, the non-union equivalent of Asherod Blakely, correct. I mean, how much? why do you have faith in Bill Belichick at this point? I just don't understand it. You know when he said that? That was September 7th of 2018, four months before they won the Super Bowl. History is repeating itself. Uh, Mike, you want to wrap this up on uh, current NBC Takes Boston, blow-dried blow, blow pile of smug shit Phil Perry. You know, I, I think that you're, you're right. There is there is very, very few people that um, are are pushing back against against narratives. And because that doesn't, you know, it, it goes back. Who is it today that was saying that? Oh, uh, the uh, the non Muppet Gumble, uh, Greg, right? Um, <laughs> the less Muppety Gumble was saying that, you know, sports radio is just like really the worst thing um, in existence. And I, it is because you cannot talk about sports for 12 hours a day. I think, you know, we, we sometimes struggle to talk about a single team for an hour um, a week. And I think we have a lot of opinions on it. Just, there's not a lot to say and you can't do it being certainly being, I don't think you have to be positive but you can't do it in a way that is not inherently negative and coming from a position of we're doomed and the sky is falling. So it just doesn't, it, that's why um, we're seeing what we're seeing from, from NBC sports Boston. And, and again, I think there's no disappointment in Curran, but um, you know, I, I think you've seen Phil Perry kind of uh, reading his own press clippings as it were over the last few years and becoming going from a guy who I thought was pretty reasonable and tried to do the work. And then, you know, so at some point, someone in the organization or someone in the league said, Oh, you're, you're doing a good job here and tickles his balls. And he started to believe, you know, he, he knew what the fuck he was looking at. And he's just uh, the, the nodding and the fucking, the biting his lip and the, the, the nodding is he, he, he bothers me. So it's even for me, that's, you know, current is he's an old man. He's, he, you know, grandma, it's, let's go have your tapioca, grandpa. So, yeah. In our defense, people would be very surprised at how little we get paid to do this podcast. But in the event that we were, you know, fully, uh, fully recompensed, we'd probably do a great job. I'm pretty sure the other folks that we're talking about in the media do uh, collect a paycheck from their employer. So they should try harder. Well, well with, with our sponsors, given our sponsors, we're, you know, it's, we do all right. We're, we're, yeah. we're almost hey, comfortable. Yeah. I want to just jump in and, and recognize that our colleague, Bert Breer, a uh, fellow media member, recognizing the passing <laughs> of, uh, you know, CNN anchor Bernard Shaw today. Um, you know, all of us in media, um, whether you're, you know, scratching Peter King's, you know, what in front of the urinal uh, over at CNN SI or you're podcasting, you know, it's a, it's a heavy day in media today. That was going to be a, what, one of my uh, a, a questions for the crew here. Uh, Albert Breer noting the passing of CNN's Bernard Shaw by saying, nice tribute to a legend in our business. In I, our mean, business. I mean, I, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Bernard Shaw was tweeting about bombs falling in Iraq from his couch in Plymouth. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I think can, I, I can think confirm that, Peter Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can't I can't believe that 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 tweet from earlier today uh, 
might surpass this one from August 28th when uh, Washington football team running back Brian Robinson had been shot multiple times. In the minutes after this news, Brea Crowe tweeted this saying, unbelievable, had a great summer, was set to play a major role. Scott well, Tilly, where did he go in your draft? Oh, uh, he, he went undrafted. But I, I think Bert said the same thing when Michael Kelly died, you know, in a tank on his way to Baghdad in Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to. Re- it must. How do you? How can you handle having so much of your identity tied up with uh, when you went to college and the eleven warriors that play there? That was the thing yesterday, right? He, he had he did, he had a great tweet yesterday as well about the um, about how how the great the college football ratings were, and he was very proud of that. And, and, and again, it ties back to everything we know about Bird. His identity is is linked to the fact that he covers football. You know, I don't I don't think people like you know that cover politics are like, holy shit, we got 150 million votes in the 2020 election. We're doing so great. And he's so proud of that. Like, fuck. Like, and he was so proud of it. And the buck the bucks are a a ratings juggernaut of course oh, they're a wagon a fucking loser <laughs> like uh, the fact they were playing you know a storied franchise had nothing to do with it no neither. no no Greer <clears throat> was also channeling scartelli his inner borges uh when he's making stuff up about niners quarterback john what was it what happened with trey lance uh how did Breer step in it uh making shit up about trey lance you're our bay area correspondent well, Niners Twitter is all over him because he sent send out a tweet about, you know, when Garoppolo came back to the fold that, you know, it was going to affect Trey Lance and, and, you know, in his kind of his, his attitude or his confidence or something like that and complete speculative bullshit. And Niner Twitter went nuts. I theorized that Lance's agent probably sent him a dear John. Uh, you better retract this or you'll you'll never get anything from me again. You're off and the text message thread, son. You're, you're off the, the group text message. And uh, and Breer quickly backtracks, you know, gets a lot of hate from Niner, Niner faithful, quickly backtracks. Well, I don't I didn't mean to profess what's in his head. You know, Trey Lance is clearly, you know, talented, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it's just it was out of the Doug Gottlieb recent school of talking out your ass and getting called out for it and having to grovel and apology for it. Dan, you, you've got the uh, you've got it there. What 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 were your, what was your take on Breer stepping in again? Pretty damn unsurprising. Oh, yeah. So he reported that Lance was, quote, a little annoyed, unquote, when the team decided to bring Garoppolo back. And, you know, he usually has such great sources, right? It's it's, it's uncharacteristic. Yeah, the rest of Twitter. You know, the the building let him down. The the, the stadium. The sense inside the building let him down. That's right. All right. Anyone have any final thoughts? They're not the best color men in the league for nothing, folks. Oh, no. I think we can discuss the fact that – the Patriots um, turns out that they were undefeated in England while uh, Queen Elizabeth II was alive. Can confirm Scartelli. Water now? Uh, were they water now? Oh no, they played uh, in 2009 and beat the uh, Bucks uh, 35 to seven. Jesus, I forgot about 09. That Didn't was they play the was Raiders the, uh, over there. That was the Big Bang Clock. And they played the Rams 12, right or 13? In 12, in 12, they won that one uh, 45 to seven. Oh, yeah. That's right. So the Patriots are undefeated outside the uh, confines of the uh, contiguous uh, United States. Mike, what's worse? Uh, you made the point of what's worse, the performative mourning for the royal family or, or pretending over the top not to care? Which one is worse? Uh, I, I have no problem with the royals. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, a small I'm, I'm a I'm a fan of 
of pomp and of, of history and tradition. I, I have no, I, I have no, I'm not, a, I'm not a honk. I'm not a royal honk, but I have, I have no problem with it. I think it's trying too hard. What, what I have a problem with mostly is the, is the fourth generation Irish Americans pretending like they were under the yoke of, of the queen's oppression. Get the fuck out of here. Performative right. Fenianism. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Your, 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 your great, great, great grandparents, you know, they humped under a, a sod roof and uh, under the, uh, and, you know, they, they came over on a boat. Congrats. You know, here we, here we are. But, um, you know, uh, I, I will say though, I, I like the, um, I like the chances that we get a, um, a certain young lass who always predicts the over for certain betting networks. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to see her, you know, maybe she could do some performative mourning and maybe a little queen outfit with a nice little crown. That would be my, my hope. Uh, that's uh, the Media Mike final thought is brought to you by Atamian Honda. Use the code Queen Liz to get 5% off your next Simonizing. Uh, Dan, your final thought. It was the uh, same, same lines on Her Majesty. I was just hoping that when uh, Peter King was ordering his triple venti vanilla soy dobio espresso no foam latte, I hope he broke the news gently to the barista. Thought he would cry. I thought he would cry. Uh, Entitledtown at gmail.com. Actually, before before I do the sign-off, uh, we had an email this week, and this one is directed right at yours truly. Uh, mm. It's not an email. It's a direct message, and it's from Patrick, who is at Freshy P on Twitter, and <clears throat> he wants to give me credit. The level of my miserableness I have in every tweet is impressive. He wants me to focus my negative energy elsewhere. Have a good day, dude. He then texted me exactly one week later, checking back in. Thank you, Patrick. I said it last week. What is wrong with you and the media? What did they do to you? Just genuinely curious. Don't mean it in a bad way. They are tool bags, but man, it doesn't seem like a healthy existence you live basically yelling at the sky every time someone tweets anything. Patrick, this therapy moment is for you. John, hey. is that... Go ahead, John. May I call... It's a, it's, you know, some people have a hobby of pushing old boxing writers downstairs, and we have a <laughs> hobby of, of podcasting. So, you know, it's a... It's, it's, it's a lot less dangerous to senior citizens than what others what others like to do. It's always Therapy nice. takes many forms. <laughs> in, in, in the words of the late, uh, you know, Powers Booth in um, <laughs> in Red Dawn, you know, all that hate's going to burn you up, and it, it keeps it keeps me warm. How about that? That's in, yeah, our, our great friends. My second favorite Powers Booth quote, which After, was, I'm the going to fill your mouth Tombstone? with spiders. Okay, right. That's <laughs> good. I thought it was going to say bye. Well, yeah. well that's, that's, that, that might be the greatest actually <laughs> that that could very well be uh, and let me just uh let me just you know grab hold of the mic here and say that uh we just had our 200th 204th actually uh post over at uh the 15net.com so we're we're pretty happy about that 200 is a big round number bicentennial very oh, exactly very impressive. so we've got uh, great things in store and they, they may actually happen so that's so uh, head over to the 15net.com, catch out the uh, catch out, catch the uh, sports junk drawer and all that other good stuff that will be upcoming in the next uh, next few uh, next few months. The sports junk drawer. I've said it before, Scartelli. It's the only thing I read religiously And this this week, past week's one or today's we're recording on Thursday is a tour de force. Uh, I guess entitled town at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on Friday the 9th, hopefully the Bills are 0-1 and the Patriots are in a three-way tie for first. And uh, thanks to John, thanks to Dan, thanks to Scartelli, 
and thank you to Mike. Uh, we need uh, a uh, we need a forecast. How, is there a five percent chance of volcanoes? <laughs> I I will I I will admit that I did have a, my shoe piss level was basically the instep when I stepped outside and saw the, the mountain venting. No, nothing to see here. Please disperse. Uh, pray pray for Seattle. Pray for rain. Uh, we'll, we'll record with you guys. Uh, we'll record next week. We'll talk to you guys then. And always, whoa! Turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.